In a new executive order, President Donald Trump has imposed a temporary ban on refugees coming from countries filled with people who want to kill us until we can figure out which of the refugees want to kill us and which would just like to be able to go to Starbucks without being beheaded by the people who want to kill us. The ban immediately caused hysterical leftists to become hysterical, made dishonest Democrats dishonest, and transformed CNN into the same pestilent cesspool of distortion it was before the order went into effect. Democrat Senate leader Chuck Schumer issued a statement about the temporary travel ban, saying, quote, there are tears running down the cheeks of the Statue of Liberty. Whereas Democrat House leader Nancy Pelosi issued a statement saying, quote, there are tears in the eyes of the Statue of Liberty. Authorities in New York dispatched biplanes armed with machine guns to try to dislodge the Democrats from the face of the Statue of Liberty, but the gigantic Democrats swatted the biplanes out of the sky. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo issued a statement saying, As a New Yorker, I am Muslim, I am Jewish, I am black and gay and disabled. I am a woman seeking to control her health and choices. The governor's office later issued a correction saying Cuomo was actually an Italian-American guy with a rich fantasy life. On social media, compassionate liberals opposed to the Trump administration began posting heartbreaking photographs of Syrian children who had been murdered during the Obama administration by Islamists who want to kill us, arguing that this was the reason we needed to allow Islamists who want to kill us to come to this country during the Trump administration, presumably so that they can kill children here. There were also demonstrations and protests at airports, many of them funded by George Soros, who wants to destroy America so there can be a global government run by people like George Soros, named George Soros. The protesters carried signs calling for an end to all American borders. The signs also included mailing addresses so Soros knows where to send the checks. The news media, meanwhile, continued to garner respect among large swaths of the unmedicated psychotic community by reacting to everything Trump does with the measured calm of a monkey who's been set on fire. The flaming monkeys at the New York Times, a former newspaper, ran a story saying a temporary ban to improve security vetting was, quote, unlikely to reduce the terrorist threat, according to experts. The Times experts also told the Times it would soon take a trip over water where it would meet a tall, dark stranger. The Times then crossed the experts' palms with silver, and they returned to their gypsy caravan. All in all, the executive order has continued a recent pattern in which our unbalanced and unreliable president does sensible and reasonable things, and the honest and responsible left becomes hysterical and lies. Welcome to 2017. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, dipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray, oh, hooray, hurrah. All right, the world is going insane. It's going insane. But we're here on the island of Andrew Clavin Show Sanity, the little island of misfit sane people. Uh, so Donald Trump finally has done something I seriously dislike and has nothing to do with refugees. And we'll, we will talk about that. <laughs> also, we also have SAG award-winning cultural correspondent Michael Knowles will be here to discuss the uh, pro-life march. 
And before we get to that, let me talk about uh, our new sponsor, Lyft, L-Y-F-T. The Lyft uh, is the ride-sharing program. Let me explain to you how things work in L.A. so you get the picture. In L.A., uh, you get in your car to go to dinner. Uh, your dinner is five minutes away. It takes you three hours to get there. By the time you get there, you then have to pay, you know, 40 bucks to have your car valeted by a guy who looks like he's homeless. And then you're so angry that you have a couple of drinks and you get stopped on the way home by the police, arrested for drunk driving and beaten to death by a guy named Spike. So instead, we call Lyft because it's much easier. The Lyft app is so easy. You press the button on your cell phone, the car shows up, average of three and a half minutes. Every Lyft driver is vetted through a 10-point safety standard. Plus, they're happier because the app actually allows you to tip them, which the other guys don't do. Uh, Lyft is uh, the highest rating. It may not be the biggest uh, ride-sharing program, but it's the fastest growing and the highest rated ones. And uh, it's just, it really is an easy way to avoid getting stopped by the cops if you had a couple of drinks, which, you know, in L.A., like, that's the reason everybody goes home so early. Plus, we're giving you stuff free. This is amazing. See, this is the thing. This is the thing. We offer. We, you don't even have to take my word for these things. You just take it for free. You guys, you won't spend a lousy eight bucks to subscribe to the Daily Wire, and then you don't take stuff for free. Your lives make no sense. Right now, <laughs> Lyft is offering a special deal. You get three free rides, up to ten bucks each. That's up to thirty dollar value when you enter the promo code Claven. I'm not sure how to spell that. Oh wait, it's that's me, Claven. K L A V A N. Just download the free. Lyft app today and enter the promo code Claven in the payment section, and you'll start with three free rides up to 10 bucks each. That's up to a $30 value. That's the promo code Claven, K L A V A N. Do it so you don't get beaten to death by a guy named Spike. All right, the hysteria is incredible. I mean, so Trump puts out this completely rational, as far as I'm concerned, executive order. That is limiting, you know, he originally started talking about a Muslim ban. It has now morphed into something much more reasonable, much more sensible. It's not a Muslim ban. Plenty of Muslim-majority countries are still allowed to come in. Here's what he's done, okay? Let's, let us talk about what is actually in this order. But, and by the way, he sprung it on people very quickly, but we'll talk about that, too. It halts refugees for 120 days, so that's four months to improve the vetting system. It caps the refugee admissions at 50K, which is about where it was for most of the Bush and Obama years until Obama doubled it, I think, in the last two years of his administration. It's a temporary 90-day ban on people entering the U.S. from Iraq, Syria, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and Yemen, countries ID'd by the Obama administration as dangerous. And there was, you know, there were some foul-ups. I mean, this is always foul-ups on these big things. Somebody said, oh, yeah, this should include guys with green cards who leave the country, but that's ridiculous. People with green cards are vetted for years before. And that's if you're from Canada. You know, I mean, you can't get a green card if you come from Canada without being vetted up the wazoo. So that, that was rescinded. They took that back. You know, there's all, uh, the courts are uh, complaining. You know, there's some courts, there's some legal experts who say he has the right to do this under a law that says the president can decide if somebody is an inadmissible alien. There is also a law that says you can't deny people access due to race, religion, and so on. So there is some legal stuff. There's going to be all these challenges. But the left goes insane. And when I'm talking about the left, I'm not just talking—there's all these this chaos at airports. And I love the headlines are like, Trump order causes chaos. It's not Trump order causing chaos. It's the people rushing out to the airports paid by George Soros to commit—to cause chaos. So they're out there causing chaos. 
at the airports. These are the demonstrators. But that's not the stuff I love. What I love is the guys who actually have some reason and authority. And look, I'm not saying this is a perfect order. The important thing is he is Trump is talking about establishing safe zones in Syria, which of course is the thing we should do. We should have there should be safe zones in Muslim countries where people can go, where refugees can go, and we can protect them, but not necessarily bring them here before we vet them. Makes perfect sense. First. Chuck Schumer bursts into tears. <laughs> I, have to, I have to play. So here's Chuck Schumer crying. My daughter, her middle name is Emma, named for Emma Lazarus, the great poet who wrote those lines on the pedestal of the uh, Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. free. What we the best. So... This executive order was, was mean-spirited and un-American. It was implemented in a way that created chaos and confusion across the country, and it will only serve to embolden and inspire those around the globe who will do us harm. You're going to cry? I feel like I should bounce a basketball off his head, like in the great Santini. You're going to cry, Chuck? You're going to cry? Let me see you cry. I mean, first of all, you know, they're all—this thing with the Statue of Liberty, they keep quoting—taking that quote out of concept. Uh, out of context. The, the poem on the Statue of Liberty was written by a radical socialist, Emma Lazarus. But it was not to just say, send every piece of dirt you got over here and we'll take everybody. It was talking to Europe and saying, we— this is the new colossus. You had a colossus which was based on, uh, you know, uh, monarchy and based on uh, imperialism and based on conquest. Ours is going to be based on welcome. So you can send the people that you rejected, that you treated badly, send them to us and we'll take them. That's the full context of that quote. So I love—and the—oh, and the other thing is is this whole thing about, you know, Trump's order is going to make Muslims violent. So the, the idea is basically Mus Muslims are not violent. But if you have an order, they turn violent because you know what Muslims are like. I mean, that's basically the logic <laughs> of the left at this point. So Trump was great this morning. He had a great reaction. He came out, and this is what he had to say about uh, Chuck, among other things. Uh, we actually had a very good day yesterday in terms of homeland security. And someday we had to make the move, and we decided to make the move. Uh, it would be nice again if we could have our cabinet, because our cabinet which is outstanding, is going through a lot uh, in terms of what they're being put through in the Senate. Jeff Sessions, they made him wait an extra week. And they did that only for political reasons. It was only for, they just made him wait. I said, why did they do that? Just politics. Uh, I noticed uh, Chuck Schumer yesterday with fake tears. I'm going to ask him who is his acting coach, because uh, I know him very well. I don't see him as a crier. If he is, he's a different man. There's about a 5% chance that it was real, but I think they were fake tears. <laughs> Trump's given odds on how real his tears are. I love it. So this is this also, what I like about this is, like, the, the left is going nuts. I mean, they're going insane. And I'll, I'll go on a little bit more about some of the stuff that's happening in the press and in Hollywood. But that protest and all this, <laughs> we had a good day. It was a good day. You know, like, <laughs> Trump, Trump you know, he just, just doesn't. So he says he's going to announce his Supreme Court pick tomorrow. 
But he also, and this is the stuff, of course, that's dear to my wonky little heart, he signed an order that will seek to dramatically pare back federal regulations by requiring agencies to cut two existing regulations for every new rule introduced. Hurrah. We're going to win so much. We're going to win at every level. economically. We're going to win with the economy. We're going to win with military. We're going to win with health care and for our veterans. We're going to win with every single facet. My, oh my, what a wonderful day. We're going to win so much, you may even get tired of winning. You'll say, please, please, it's too much winning. We can't take it anymore. I feel pretty. Oh, so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and gay. We have to keep winning. We have to win more. We're going to win more. You don't get the stuff on Shapiro's show, folks. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't get the, you don't get the Trump happiness montage on Shapiro's show. <laughs> oh, man, that is really funny. <laughs> so, so, so the press is going nuts, and Mario Cuomo made his silly speech. But he, he, let's just take a look at the way the press treated this. Here's Martha Raddatz, who cried when Hillary Clinton lost, okay? So we know what an honest broker of information she is. Here she is with this interview of Sean Spike. Listen, listen to the question she asked. Let, let's talk about Iraq. You saw that an Iraqi interpreter for America was detained temporarily. I have been in Iraq with those interpreters. They have saved lives Absolutely. of American soldiers. And now you're saying... You can't come in. No, that's not what we're saying, Martha. Not at all. We're going to say we're going to make sure that we don't let someone slip through the cracks who seeks to do our country harm. That's it. The person was processed in. I know that it, in some cases there's going to be a bit of an inconvenience. But the inconvenience is... there is, any humiliation? No. There's 109 people that were slowed down, over 325,000 foreign visitors that came in. But what, what do we say to the family that, that loses somebody of a terrorist, to whether it's Atlanta or San Bernardino or the Boston bomber, those people, each of whom had gone out to a country and then come back... So, so she, she asked, remember, remember Clavin's first rule of mainstream journalism, right? Whenever the prejudices and illusions of left-wingers are confirmed by an individual incident, the incident is treated as representative. When those prejudices and illusions are contradicted, the incident is considered an aberration, and treating it as representative is deemed hateful. That's the first rule. That's the rule that Martha Raddus is doing right there. I was in Afghanistan with the interpreters, the Terps, as the military calls them. They are terrific guys. They're also playing the odds, just like we all are. They're out for their best interest, which they think is to come eventually to America. So some interpreter got stopped and then let through, and he's that's humiliation. Isn't that a terrible thing? One guy, one guy got stopped. Whereas if, if we said th there's a terrorist attack by a Muslim 
and we said, oh, let's generalize these Muslims are kind of terrorists, that would be that would be a hateful thing to say. So why is that one incident like important? Why is it even important? Why is she even bringing it up? We know that there are good people. You know, most of the people who come over here, most of the Muslims who come over here, are not only not terrorists; they will never participate in a terrorist attack. Hey, we have SAG award-winning cultural correspondent Michael Knowles is coming up to talk about the pro-life march. Come over to thedailywire.com and you can hear it if you would only subscribe. If only you know if you lie awake at night. Why didn't I subscribe? This is the moment to. Subscribe. Subscribe to thedailywire.com. Allows you eight bucks a month, and you get to watch the entire show at the site. So that's this. This is the basically the complex. It's the Democrat politicians, Chuck Schumer, crying and talking about the Statue of Liberty, and then you have the press calling out one individual incident and making it representative when it's not. And then, of course, you have our friends in Hollywood, because yesterday was the SAG Awards. I think I think Knowles broke a record for SAG Awards, didn't he? I think he was 15 SAG Awards for his role on this show. Um, possibly I had that's a fantasy I had I'm not sure <laughs> but, uh, but the guy was David Harbour every speech every speech was about you know uh, how awful Trump is and how evil Trump is David Harbour did a wonderful job playing the sheriff on Stranger Things a show we all enjoyed we all like Stranger Things on Netflix here's just a little bit of his speech listen to what this guy is saying and listen to the reaction from the crowd and the people just going nuts listen we are united in that we are all human beings and we are all together on this horrible, painful, joyous, exciting, and mysterious ride that is being alive. Now, as we act in the continuing narrative of Stranger Things, we 1983 Midwesters will repel bullies. We will shelter freaks and outcasts, those who have no homes. We will get past the lies. We will hunt monsters. And when we are at a loss amidst the hypocrisy and the casual violence of certain individuals and institutions, we will, as per Chief Jim Hopper, punch some people in the face when they seek to destroy the meat and the disenfranchised and the marginalized. And we will do it all with soul, with heart, and with joy. We thank you for this responsibility. Thank you. It was a good show, David, you know. <laughs> I enjoyed the show. Don't be punching people in the face. That's what we call fascism. That's the thing you're supposed to be fighting against. When you're punching people in the face because they disagree with you, that is fascism. Now, here's the thing. Here's what, what I want to talk about. Like, obviously, most Muslims are not terrorists. We know this. Trump is and, – and some of the countries that he's saying are not uh, – that he is banned for temporarily uh, are not the countries that are sending terrorists out into the world. That's really not the point. When Trump talks about this, what he talks about is Paris. He talks about where, where women can't go into certain neighborhoods now because of Muslim majorities in those neighborhoods. He's talking about England, where you have to drop your voice when you're talking about uh, Islam if you're out in public. You know, he's talking, uh, raising the question of, of whether of he's trying to get control over our immigration system because we are not yet sure whether Islam can be adapted to 21st century freedoms. And the reason we're not sure is we haven't been allowed to talk about it. We've had eight years of a president who couldn't mention the word, who decreed that it was hateful to question whether the fact, whether Islamic extremism 
is the natural outgrowth of Islam or whether it is a cancer on Islam. That is a fair debate to have. It's not a debate that that uh, ordinary people can necessarily have. It's a debate that has to be done by scholars. They have to talk it out. They have to talk it out in pu public. We have to listen to their arguments, and then we can decide, how can we have those arguments? How can we have those arguments if we're not allowed to mention it? It is absurd. You know, this, this women's march they had with all these, you know, hundreds of thousands of women in Washington, one of the co-leaders of this march was a woman named Linda Sarser, a Palestinian-American who has uh, connections to Hamas, who has been pushing Sharia law on America. And she sent out tweets. Here's a tweet that Linda Sarser sent out. Ten weeks of paid maternity leave in Saudi Arabia. Yes, paid. And you're worrying about the fact that women can't drive? They put us to shame. This is the woman leading this women's, and the women are, you know, women are wearing their pussy hats for which they would be imprisoned in Saudi Arabia. In Saudi Arabia, a woman took a, a woman took a picture of her husband raping the maid and posted it online, and the wife was imprisoned for humiliating the husband. <coughs> that's that's Sharia law. That's what, and she says, you know, when you're living, this is another tweet from Linda Sarser. You know, when you're living under Sharia law, if suddenly all your loans and credit cards will become interest interest free, sounds nice, doesn't it? <clears throat> of course, if you're a woman, you won't be able to take out a loan, but that's okay because you'll have 10 weeks paid maternity leave. Unbelievable stuff. Unbelievable. So he's asking this question. The one thing Trump did that really did bother me, the one thing that did bother me was he rearranged the uh, security, the, the National Security Council, which is his main advisors on national security, took out the Joint Chiefs of Staff, members of the Joint Chiefs of Staff that uh, can only come in if they're invited. And he put Steve Bannon in there. He's not <coughs> the leader of the council, but he's going to be there all the time. And <coughs> pardon me, this is not a knock on Bannon. It's not a personal knock on Bannon. But what does he know about this stuff? He's there to, to handle the politics. He's there to handle American politics. And yes, Obama did this too, but George W. Bush didn't. George W. Bush kept, uh, what's his name, uh, his, his political guy, out of there, uh, Karl Rove, he kept him out of there because who wants to be thinking about politics when you're supposed to be thinking about national security? So I did not like Bannon going in there. Again, it's nothing against Bannon personally. I just don't think he belongs in there. He was a naval officer, so he's not ignorant about national security, but is not his main suit. All right. Well, those SAG awards were kind of crazy, but the one winner that we support, <laughs> SAG award winning cultural correspondent Michael Knowles. And you are here because there hey. he is. Wow, that satellite, satellite is really working today. Now, we only have you for a few minutes as the satellite continues its arc <laughs> over the earth because after that you disappear. But, uh, but you were watching the pro-life march, which really gets nothing, com uh, no coverage basically compared to the women's march, right? It was incredible. Yeah. In, right before I went to the SAG awards last night and won all all of those, uh, won all those <laughs> yeah. trophies. I was watching the media coverage of the March for Life, which happened in D.C. this weekend, versus the media coverage of the Women's March. And there were two very important numbers to keep in mind when you consider these two events. The March for Life had a record turnout this year. Not only did it have a phone call from the president and a speech at the event from Vice President Pence, but there were an estimated 650,000 people there Holy marching crow, for pro-life. Really? Is that right? That's but that's these are the estimates. Yeah. It's hard to tell, but yeah. but 650,000 is the accepted <clears throat> number. Do you know how many people were at the DC Women's March last weekend? No, I thought it was like a quarter million, was it? Well, I've I've heard varying I've heard over a million in certain reports, but the the accepted number right now is 485,000. So this was bigger. This was bigger by about 35%. This was significantly bigger. And let's just run down a few of the headlines. Uh, for the Women's March last week. Okay. Let's start there. 
uh, turning resistance into power. What's next for progressives after the Women's March? That's from Salon.com, so (laughs) take it as you will. Women's March, protesters rally worldwide in solidarity. CNN. (laughs) The much-needed humor of the Women's March from the New Yorker, the humor of, these, yeah. of Ashley, Ashley Judd's speech was very funny. Uh, I don't women's think that's Mar- what they mean, though, yeah. 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 Women's March activists aim to build a movement, MSN. Women's March on Washington aims to be more than a protest, NPR. Why the Women's March may be the start of a serious social movement from the Washington Post. Do we have a clip of some of the TV uh, coverage? Tamika, with a welcome to you, this thing has certainly caught fire. I mean, I understand this started from one woman posting something on Facebook, and now here we are with one of the biggest events in D.C. So what can we realistically realistically expect? One day after hundreds of thousands of Trump supporters watched their candidate sworn in as president of the United States, it's a different story today. Hundreds of thousands of women are set to march on Washington and around the world as well. This is a live look here. London, England, folks gathering for a protest march. Uh, All of these people demanding their voices are heard for the next four years. Everyone from celebrities to activists to normal moms. Just normal moms are are showing up. NBC's Kate Snow has that story. Oh, who should we interview? I know this is not <laughs> rational, Steinle, okay. what I'm about to say, but I was not so shocked that Hillary Clinton lost. The shocking, surrealistic thing is that Donald Trump won. Right. I mean, this is You're a man right, who I, I don't think really deserves to have lunch in the White House. So, you guys don't belong to any political group, no. um, yet... 200,000 women? Like, comment, like, how did you do that? Wow, how did you? Oh, my goodness and gracious. That, that, that is Linda Sarser, isn't it? I think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> you know, we, normally we are not allowed out of the house, but uh, today we came out for the march. It's wonderful, yeah. <laughs> so what, what breathless, fawning, yeah, wonderful really. coverage. Also, just a quick point on that Today Show clip. They said that uh, Trump supporters watched their president become inaugurated. The, the American people watched their right, president, of course, <laughs> become of course, inaugurated. Yeah. So now let's, let's uh, look back at this past weekend when a much larger event took place. Uh, the Associated Press, anti-abortion groups hold triumphant rally after Obama years. Not pro-life, anti-abortion, almost without fail. In fact, the Associated Press uses the phrase pro-life zero times in its coverage, <laughs> and NPR uses the phrase once in its coverage. Uh, Vice President Pence told the crowd at the March for Life that anti-abortion policies were a top priority of the new administration. That's the AP. Co- cosmopolitan, so take it as you will. I've been to the March for Life twice. This year it scared me. Ooh. <laughs> Anti-abortion rights, but not necessarily pro-Trump at March for Life, ah, reports NPR. Good, good, good. I'm glad they made that distinction for us. Thank you. The March for Life's new message, pro-life is pro-woman. That's a new message. Yeah. I did, I, <laughs> it used to be pro-life is anti-woman, <laughs> yeah. but now it's new. And uh, finally from the Atlantic, the March for Life shows the tensions in the pro-life movement. Oh, 650,000 people showing yeah. up. That shows the tension in the movement. This is after the Women's March where they actually banned pro-life women because they weren't official women. Pro-life they, yeah. and pro-Trump women banned from the Women's March. Yeah. Do, we, do we have a cut of some of the, the TV coverage from pro-life? Hey, no, no. 
Vice President Mike Pence addressing the annual March for Life gathering. Highest ranking White House official ever to address the group in person in its 44 years. How next week he brought it up, Donald Trump is going to be announcing his pick for the vacancy on the Supreme Court. And he said it's going to be someone who shares the values of what he called the late great Antonin Scalia. So really a pledge to the folks here that Donald Trump is going to pick someone who is anti-abortion. And that got huge That uh, is a fact. That is not true. There seem to be fewer of the incendiary images that are often the hallmark of anti-abortion rallies. Some critics say Monaghan is trying to put a benign face on a very harsh and intrusive policy about the most difficult some of say, decisions. Some say. 36% of Americans said abortion should be legal in all or most circumstances. 42% said it should be legal in few circumstances. 20% said it should never be legal. But it's a minority of Americans who have the position of no abortion in any case. That Wow. Wow. So that's 62% are basically believe in more restrictions on abortion. That's putting those numbers together. My quickly adding those numbers <laughs> together. Yeah. I can't believe that he presented those numbers as he did with a straight face. Yeah. He said 38% uh, think it should be legal in all or most. And then rather than saying 62% in few or no circumstances, he has to break them apart. Uh, by the way, Drew, do you know if we can get some on the show so that some, we can hear what they're some saying? Say, because some say sources said that, uh, yeah, I hear so tell. much about some. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's basically the entire, the entire source uh, uh, of the New York Times is some people say. <laughs> Unbelievable. Great job. Uh, SAG uh, award-winning cor cultural correspondent Michael Knowles. Uh, on to the Oscars, I guess. That's right. Moving on to the Oscars. Yeah. And I would like to issue just a short apology yeah. to your viewers. I tried really hard to get a pussy hat for I this was segment. For the None of my hat. friends would give me one. They knew I would make fun of it. So, say uh, love I'm, I am personally disappointed. All right, thank you, Michael Knowles. We're back from our satellite, uh, back to our room. Uh, oh, maybe this is the satellite. Maybe we were in the satellite. They just trying to get out of the country. Stuff I like. This week I'm going to be doing. Oh, you know, this week I'm going to be um, going to Washington to be at the National Prayer Breakfast, which I'm very excited about. I think our Orange Overlord. May put in an appearance there, and then I'm going to be speaking at a uh, journalist's fellowship dinner that is organized by Cal Thomas, uh, the me a media dinner, and there's some chance that Mike Pence will be there. So maybe I'll be I'll be speaking to Mike Pence. Um, so that will that's that means no Thursday show because that's when the uh, prayer breakfast is. But hopefully, we, am I going to do a Friday show? We'll see. All right. So we'll try and stave off the Clavenless weekend with a Friday show. But let us start with stuff I like. I'm going to do some memoirs I like. And I'm going to begin with a completely fake memoir. This is one of, this is Norm MacDonald. Norm MacDonald is, of course, the uh, comedian who is most famous for being on Saturday Night Live. He was fired from Saturday Night Live for making jokes about O.J. Simpson. Uh, because one of the people, one of the people at the NBC was a, a pal of Simpsons, and um, he has had all kinds of troubles, uh, gambling troubles and things like that. So he's had a, quite an interesting uh, life, and he is—he's kind of—he's less a comedian than he is a performance artist. And what he did was he wrote his memoir as a work of fiction. It's called. Um, 
I'm sorry, I lost it. It says based on a true story, sorry. Based on a true story. And the whole point of it is that, of course, there is no such thing as a true story. When the minute you start telling a story, it becomes fake. And that this thing is so funny, and I recommend that you get it on Audible, get an Audible version of it. I was listening to it in the car, and this is not an exaggeration. I had to pull off the road twice. I was laughing so hard that my eyes filled with tears. I couldn't see. I thought I was going to, I really, I thought I was going to die, you know. It is so funny. It is just he, what he does is he kind of, a, it's almost a commentary on the entire idea of, of a life story uh, because he gets at a lot of inner truth and meaning about his life, but it's not the true story. It's so overblown and so, uh, and so crazy. And he does, he's a master of what used to be called shaggy dog stories, these long, long, long stories that have a kind of weird punchline. So we have a little, do we have a little bit of a cut? Yeah, yeah let's yeah. play just a little bit of Norm MacDonald's Based on a True Story. And I stand by the pyramid of Luxor and gaze upon the firmament above, and in a sudden the sky becomes a face, and I look away in fear and shame. It is the face of God, and he speaks, and his voice is both yours and mine at once, and he speaks unto me. Why do you not look at me, neither yesterday nor today? And so I remove my dirty work hat and look upon him and study his countenance. Now people always wonder if God is a man or a woman or black or white or yellow, but I'm here to tell you that none of this silly stuff matters. He's a white guy, by the way. <laughs> it's really, really a funny book. I mean, you just have to get into the kind of uh, the fact that it's pure irony, like nothing in it is, is serious. And it's it, but he tells the story. And I just think he has a he has a unique point of view. He's kind of like fallen off the radar. Uh, but I think he's just for a, he's one of those guys who is for a select number of people who get it. I suspect if you are listening to the show, you are one of those people. So you should get based on a true story, get the audible version, if you can, by Norm MacDonald. It really is hilarious. All right. The Claven Week begins. As I say, it's going to be a little strange because I fly to Washington tomorrow, but I fly after the show, so I will be here. Be here yourself. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. We'll see you then.